Ulala. Welcome to Art Crush International. My name is Svea Vikander. I'm Josephine Burdens. And usually we take you into the artist studios of the world. However, today we are taking you somewhere deeper. We're taking you into velvet. Crushed we're taking, velvet. We're taking you into the artist's mind. Uh, which, yes, also is like usually equivalent to crushed velvet, to be honest. Um, yeah, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the misconceptions people have about artists. This one today is about the misconception that artists always have to be miserable and lonely. Lonely, not lonely. Or lonely, maybe too, but uh, lonely <laughs> to, to be an artist. Or as I as I said at one point, you don't have to be a jerk to make good work. Mm. So profound. I want it on a t-shirt. <laughs> don't be a jerk, make good work. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, Honestly, just make any work. It can be bad work. That's fine too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first question is, have you made better art when you were depressed? You've never been uh, depressed, right? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Although I have no... Lies. <laughs> <laughs> lies, lies, lies. I don't lies. think it's necessary, but like, I'm not going to believe an artist when they tell me they've never been depressed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, so that's how this works. So... <laughs> As long as you say you didn't have a depression, you're like, nah, you're not an artist. No, I think you're lying. <laughs> it's not being truthful or mistaken or whatever. Like, I just, I don't think that art needs to have a depression to make it work. But I do think that a lot of the things that make us artists also make us depressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I can, yeah, 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 I can see that. So, I mean, even if you've never had a major depressive episode, I'm sure you've had some down I know you've had some some down times in your life. Me? Oh, yes, yeah. obviously. Yes, 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 yes. I went through, um, yeah, like a period in which I had like lots of depressive feelings, feelings of isolation, also like being sad, uh, not having any prospect or anything. I can honestly say when I'm going through a phase in which I don't feel happy at all, <laughs> I don't... A depressive episode. <laughs> I'm going through a phase where I want to die. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. You, you, it's, you are, it's well within your right to not call that a depressive episode. That is yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just call you a liar. <laughs> I just call it my depressive period. It's <laughs> depressive feelings. I have to say, um, I don't make any work at all when I'm depressed, yes. which uh, which doesn't like help with the depressive feelings of like, ah, I don't get anything done. Mm. And then you don't get anything done. And like this like circle, you know, it's going yeah. back and forth all the time. If I'm depressed, no work comes out. I don't know how about you. I gotta say that the work that I've made in times where I've been depressed has not been that good. Mm -hmm. um, but you did make art. Sometimes. I mean, I think that I have a long history with depression. And so I really know what's going on and I really fight it. And one of the best things for depression is doing your creative work. It really oh, is. It mm. really, really is. So, um, but I tend to go for projects when I'm depressed that are like quite detailed and mm -hmm. uh, finicky and kind of intellectual as opposed to more like larger exploratory, more interesting work. 
So for example, I I did a project called How Poems Work, where I like, I made poems with a bunch of like syntactical rules that I followed out of uh, a newspaper article. Uh, That was like... That sounds nice. Yeah, it was really nice, but it's not like my best work. Is that the work you want to do when you have like depression? It was very good for me in that way, because Mm. it really... um, It was like a thing that I could do every day. It was a relatively small project. It took me about an hour and a half to do each one. It was, you know, highly intellectual and then also had a visual component. And then I also gave them away as gifts. That was part of the piece. People are actually better at detailed work and intellectual thought when they are sad. Oh. Yeah. And I knew this from my psychology undergrad, but what I remember is them saying that you actually are better at math when you're sad. They like read people depressing stories and then gave them math problems and people were better at them with the depressing story as opposed to a neutral or positive one. However, there is no stereotype of the sad mathematician. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mathematicians are often super weird. And I guess that's like a stereotype. It's like the dorky, geeky mathematician, even though we're better at math when we're sad. Nobody's bringing that stereotype to the fore. No, it's true. Huh. It's also just like hard to do anything when you're depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Recognizable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question is, would it be worth it to be an artist if it meant that you were necessarily depressed? Would you rather be a depressed artist or a happy normal? Ah, now now you say it like that, that's... uh, I don't know, I think I would prefer happy normal. Happy normal, happy normal. Yeah, happy normal. Why? Yeah. Being depressed the whole time seems like... That seems like a lot. (laughs) Or being isolated from, like, your surroundings and stuff? No. Mm. Like, not meeting other people, not having a community, but making work. And then even not, like, getting satisfaction of showing the work? Oh, no. (laughs) What kind of life is that? (laughs) No, it sounds really hard. Yeah, no, I I also, of course, like, my identity as an artist is deep into my soul. But at the same time... Um, there have been many times in my life where I've thought, oh, like, I this is too much. Why am I so sensitive? Why am I always thinking about things? Why am I always experiencing the world in these different ways and having these different feelings and opinions and, like, whatever, artist uh-huh. shit? Like, I would rather just be normal and happy. I've definitely, yeah. thought, I've definitely thought that. So, yeah, I don't think it would be worth it. Have you known happy artists? You know, in Belgium, being depressed is still kind of a taboo, I would say. So if I think about, like, the Belgian artists that I know, if they would be depressed, chances are that I that I don't know. Wow. I know that artists tend to be, you know, sensitive. They tend to, like, feel the pain and weight of the world quite heavily. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I've known well-adjusted artists. Well-adjusted artists? Yeah. People who are, like friendly and able to have lives and jobs and responsibilities oh yeah that's nice that's good <laughs> yeah, that's and they're nice. also happy <laughs> i just that's saying. also balanced <laughs> yeah kind of it's true it is it, it sounds like not a big deal but it actually is actually quite hard to like have a balanced life and be a creative person it's actually like quite a challenge yeah i, I think that's like kind of the biggest challenge mm. for creative people right because you want to make a living from being creative but then there is no, like, there's no one way in, like, 
having a balanced, creative life. Yeah, that's true. I think it's hardest for women. Yeah, probably. There is this Netflix documentary. It's the B-side, Elsa Dorfman's portrait photography. And when I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, this woman had like a creative career. She, she's a creative person, right? Because she's like a photographer and she like did really innovative stuff with like the Polaroid. Like I was really amazed by like this, this woman. It's, it seemed so uncomplicated. <laughs> like her whole career just seemed very uncomplicated. And I was like, wow, how do you do that? This is a first. But I, I mean, does she have kids? She did have one boy. Yes, she talks about her parents dying, but she was already in her late 50s. And then she said, like, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And in a way, I was kind of like very moved by that mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, wow, the worst that ever happened to this woman is that she is in her late 50s. Her parents are already probably in their late 80s, or I hope they had a nice life. But that was for her like the worst thing that happened. Was that her parents she lived was already... to like a ripe old age and died. And so obviously <laughs> it's always bad or like it's always sad when your parents die. But I was like, oh my God, you know, she hadn't, she doesn't have any trauma at all. This is your, this is your endorsement of like, <laughs> this person is so well adjusted <laughs> that when her parents died, she felt really sad. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe that's mean of me to say like, <laughs> this is like the only traumatic experience somebody has or something. Both her parents died. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking like, you know, then you were at least able to like, have to know them until they were so old, more than half a century. Not everybody can say that, probably. It's, that's very true. And so that's actually what I mean. <laughs> it probably came off in a very, very wrong way. But I totally know what you mean. Thank you, thank you. I 100% know what you mean. I just, it's not something okay. that I would say publicly. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said too much. <laughs> Let's work this out here. Because what, what you're saying, I think, is that her career was like straightforward. Yes, it was very straightforward. She just it took seemed... pictures of people and she sold them to magazines and... Yes, like, uh, yeah, she took a bunch of pictures. She got paid for it. I wonder if that's also, like, a product of the era. Yeah, I don't know. The economy is not the same as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> that's also true. The photographer mm -hmm. also says it in the documentary that she's, she already had such a happy life. Oh, that the Errol Morris, who made the documentary, he must have been so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, when do I, I get into traumatic experience? Hello. <laughs> So my next question is, how does the idea of the unhappy artist affect people, artists and those who love them? Ha. Huh. How does yeah, it affect yeah, us? Yeah, you go first. I mean, I think that in a way it's really damaging because A, it makes people pursue unhealthy habits like staying up all night working because they think it makes them a, you know, romantic genius or, you oh know, God, like, like sleeping myself. around, <laughs> sleeping around <laughs> just for the sake of sleeping around because like Picasso did it, you know, just like making bad choices. Um, but then also I think that it's damaging because people who are actually depressed and actually could be helped to be happy and lead happy, fulfilling lives fall through the cracks because people go, my daughter's depressed because she's such an amazing artist. You know how they are, those artists. And then the daughter doesn't mm. get help. Mm. That's like a one really significant way. And then another mm. way is that it actually gives men, male artists, an excuse 
to mistreat and take advantage of their partners because they're like, oh, "Oh, but I am a Toche genius. This is why I cannot help you raise the children. And this is why I can never contribute financially to the family. (laughs) And this is why I need you to do all of the admin, all of that stuff, because I just can't. My brain just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think yeah, it's those, really damaging. I didn't, I, I, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, but it's very interesting. Good examples. <laughs> almost uh, as if, almost as if I'm speaking from experience. Say, do you? <laughs> For the record, my husband is an amazing, amazing writer and also a physicist, and he is not at all like that. However, there are artists I have known. Yes. Yeah. Mm. What I also think, um, like when I speak of my own experience, when I started going to art school, I had the feeling that I had to fulfill this kind of like idea of what an artist is. I have to say only when I started doing the interviews for Art Crush International (laughs) that I kind of realized how real artists really live. And how they work and how their process goes and stuff like that. Like in art school, I was also like trained like nothing else matters, you know. It's all the all for the art. You live <laughs> for the art. You breathe art. You dream about art. Blah 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 blah. When you when you get into real life and then meet like artists, then you realize oh, they also have jobs. <laughs> They also have families. Yes, they do. They do. That's fascinating. Um, Yeah. I think it's very um, vulnerable of you to to say that you felt like you had to be a tragic artist. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. To be honest, I didn't feel like so tragic. (laughs) Well, this is the other thing I was going to ask was like, okay, so you had this idea that that was what an artist was. How did that affect you? Uh, Personally or like in my work? No, you personally as a person. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to work very hard, which I don't think is bad. But I also saw, because I already had, like, studied something else, I kind of had, like, a life already. I always mm-hmm. felt like I fell outside of the whole artist thing. Mm-hmm. Or because I wasn't always, like, committing my whole life to it. <coughs> oh, poor Jaffine. Oh, now, now I sound like a tortured artist, right? Oh, oh sorry. Course, sweetie. Okay, so my last question is, what can we replace the idea of the tragic artist with? Like, what are some other more positive uh, perspectives or even more positive stereotypes we could bring to the fore? You can have a regular life doing a job and being an artist and being successful. That's nice. That's nice, but it's not, like... So the the idea is the regular artist, the artists are normal? Yeah. Because, like, that's not true. When I was saying it, it sounded like we were, like, yeah, artists are, like, the most normal people walking around. (laughs) That's also... No, that's not... It's never going to be true. (laughs) I have have kind of an idea, which is that I think that Mm -hmm. we could replace the idea of the tragic artist with the idea of the workaholic artist. I think that's actually like a pretty close fit because I think that most artists are workaholics and it takes a lot of work to actually hone your skill to become very good at craft. Like it takes many, many repeated efforts. This is why I don't know how to draw because I don't have the, uh, what's the word, the endurance, the stamina, the wherewithal, the commitment to um, actually draw things badly a hundred times before I draw them well. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I, I've been able to commit to other things in my life, but just that's never 
you know, I do think that artists are workaholics. And so I would like to see that as a slightly healthier image. Um, so I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to see that replacing the idea of the starving, indigent, tragic artist. I think that's a way more beautiful image I mean, of an artist. You can still be depressed and working really hard. It's not like a mutually exclusive. <laughs> uh, no, but then also, like when you would define artists more as workaholics, then you also focus on the fact that it's hard work to be an artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think artists tend to work really, really hard and do a lot of um, iterations of their work. The idea of the tragic artist, a lot of people draw it back to the romantics. Uh, Keats said, do you not see how necessary a world of pains and troubles is to school an intelligence and make it a soul? That's heavy, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, I mean, I think it's it's kind of true that, like, you, you do need to go through some difficult uh-huh. things, part of, like, growing up and gaining compassion for other people and that kind of thing. But he's not saying you have to be miserable to be an artist. Yeah, that, yeah, that's also not, it's not the same thing. Sure. He's saying you <laughs> yeah. have to have some trauma, have, a, like, you know, a goodly amount of trauma, and then you will understand things a little better. He's not saying you have to evermore be a um, miserable jerk just to make good work. Don't be a jerk to make good work. Oh my god, yeah, look at that. <laughs> I'm a genius! <laughs> yes, you can start to write haikus. <laughs> I hate haikus. Okay, I'm sorry. I mean, every once in a while there's like a good haiku, and I'm like, that's a good one. But like, I still don't like it very much. One of the former uh, prime ministers of Belgium, he wrote haikus. And so sometimes like uh, one would appear in a newspaper. Do you think that he actually wrote them, or do you think that it was like a assistant? Oh, I was very... No, I had the romantic idea that he is the one who wrote them. <laughs> Sorry. Well, here's the thing. Has he continued to write them after being prime minister? Yeah, I think so. Really? Maybe you should read some to us in the next episode. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes. Haikus with Josephine. Actually, can you read one now? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see. <clears throat> it's called The Engelenburcht. So, the haiku is... Als wapens zwijgen, hoor je in de stille tuin... The wind and the vogels. Is the last one the wind and the birds? Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But you know, this really reads like a sentence. This is pretty boring. Exactly. Uh, what does this have to do with uh, artists being miserable? I don't know how we got here. You said I should be writing poems. Yeah, and that's how we got here. Well, this was fun, but Josephine. Who do we have a crush on next week? In our next episode, we'll have a crush on Lorraine Bonner. Oh, uh, tell us more. So Lorraine Bonner, she's an older artist. She lives and works in Oakland and um, she's a sculptor, but she also was a doctor before she became a sculptor as awesome. an artist. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this, that's actually really cool. Uh, since so she had this whole other career, which was in science and stuff, uh, and not in art. Yeah. Um, so if people uh, want to develop a crush on Lorraine Bonner early, what can they do? So Lorraine Bonner is not on social media, so she doesn't have an Instagram. She is on Facebook, but she does have a website, uh, which is LorraineBonner.com. L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E. And Bonner is B-O-N-N-E-R. And on her homepage, there is actually um, a text that she wrote. So I will read this to you now. I was born a scientist. 
I began practicing art in response to personal trauma, and the art quickly metamorphosed in the larger skin of politics. The political morphed into the spiritual, and the scientist in me began asking questions too large for molecular answers. I mean, so good. Some people are just really talented, just really unfairly mm -hmm. talented. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to our visit with Lorraine. Yeah. Until next time, everybody follow us on Instagram, artcrush underscore international. Check out the website, artcrushinternational.com. Rate and review our show. Mm -hmm. On whatever listening app you have. Bye. Bye.